0: Jeff and Tanya speak with Nathan and Kristen Hessing. Nathan shares his experience of same-sex attraction and his desire to remain faithful to the gospel. They talk about finding Northstar later than other resources and how both emotional and physical pain caused him to seek out help. Nathan and Kristen talk about the personal issues Nathan faced and the impact that had on their relationship, but how therapy had given him tools to move past those challenges. Nathan shares some of the details of what those challenges look like and how the ability to make a personal choice was important to him in multiple facets of his life. Kristen is able to talk about her own experiences of being prompted early on in their friendship to consider this marriage long before she and Nathan ever started dating.
1: All of that and more
0: on today's Voices of Hope podcast.
2: Welcome, everybody. This is Jeff Benyon. I'm here with my wife,
1: Tanya Benyon.
2: Tanya Benyon. Very good. And uh, we're delighted to be interviewing the Hessings with us today. This is Nathan and Kristen Hessing that have agreed to join us for this podcast episode, the very special one. So we're excited to welcome them uh, to our Voices of Hope podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having us. We're really excited to talk with you guys today. We are.
2: Uh, and everybody listening you're in for a real treat so maybe to kind of mix things up we you tell us how you
0: found north star
2: okay our first question.
0: well it's interesting because a lot of people who are in like the lds lgbtq plus community a lot of them find north star towards the beginning of their therapeutic journey like with the church um oh, yeah. i actually i found other or other therapeutic organizations first and, like, pursued, like, brotherhood and, like, therapy needs and stuff like that in those circles. And then through that, like, pretty much everyone in those circles was already, you know, an attendee, a member of North Star. And then I was like, well, I guess I should go. I should see what it's all about. So it kind of was like a an afterthought for me. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. And I feel like I had already like broken down like the main huge walls in my like thinking that were really harming me and stuff like that. And North Star has just been a way to kind of connect with more people and now hopefully to get our voice heard to help more people who are needing what they're needing. But Kristen, finding North Star was through me. So I yeah. guess you can say that for you.
3: Yeah, I just went to the first conference. Um, that happened after we got married.
0: Yeah, it's like four months, three months after we got married.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, let's let's go back then. Uh, how long have you guys been married?
3: It's been three years in December. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So it's
0: like three and a half years now. Well.
2: And you have any kids? We do.
0: We
3: have one small child.
0: She's the cutest thing, and she's asleep in the other room right now. So if you yes. hear like either of us having to leave to check on something, or if you hear a baby making noises during it, no, it's the cutest little chunk making those noises.
1: Yes. She's oh, so cute. good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's great. That's so awesome. How did
1: you guys meet?
0: So we met in a singles ward around BYU. So, you know, your classic, you know, LDS story. Um, and so I, we met probably in like 2013, but started like, no, was it 2014?
3: It was 2015.
0: We met in 2015. Mm-hmm, okay. Because
3: I was on my mission in 2014, and I got back in 2015. And then fall of 2015 is when I moved into the singles ward that you were in.
0: Okay. So yeah, it was 2015, mm-hmm. which is crazy because 2015 was the worst year of my life. I even still look back and it's the worst year that I've ever had, the hardest year of my life so far. And, and if,
3: that was the year we went on our first date. Yeah,
0: it was. You know, it's great.
3: <laughs> it's great. <laughs>
0: No, and you know you can say like the adversary resists good things and stuff, and that's a conversation that's worth having. That I would say is more for another day. But for me, more of the reason why that was the worst year of my life is just all of my psychological and physical health issues were coming to a head, um, and that was the year that I finally like was like, no, I I need to seek therapy. I need to figure out all these issues that are going on in my life. Um, That was the year that I just broke down completely. I was in the middle of a um, health crisis. I deal with an autoimmune disorder. And so for five years I had full body pain and that was like year three and a half ish around there. Um, You know, obviously I um, am gay or deal with SSA or however it makes sense for, for the listener. Um, And So with me having so many physical health problems, I could no longer keep up these fronts that we try and keep up to to mask our energy energy. energy anymore. Yeah, I didn't. And also, not only did I not have the energy, but I didn't see a point to it anymore. You know, when everything's taken from you, you get to a point where it's like, there's no point to put up a front to people. It just, there's no point. You kind of get a deeper sense of things. Anyways, that's going way deep, way quick. But we met in 2015, And um, it was crazy because Kristen did not like me at all at the beginning.
3: (laughs) First date, we went to a Norman Rockwell exhibit uh, at the museum. And I told my roommates after getting home from that date, I was like, I just feel like I went on, like my older brother just took me to museum because his mom asked him to right (laughs) that's like the feeling I had after that day (laughs) and she
0: like so I would ask her on dates you know every couple of months I didn't ask her on dates in the classic fashion that we think about like in America in the church you know where you ask someone on a date and then like within a day or two or within a week you know you've asked someone on another day express interest or whatever I was trying to figure out so many problems in my life that me even having an inkling of like Maybe I should take Kristen on a date. Maybe I want to take Kristen on a date is, was a frightening thing because I'm dealing with my own sexuality, right, so deeply. So it would be months and months between when I'd ask her on dates, even though I was interested. And that, you know, rightfully so frustrated her. And um, the thing is, is soon Kristen actually kind of started mm-hmm. to gain interest in me and was started to like me, which was the point where she actually started to detest me and hate me. <laughs> you should tell them why. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. I, I never had any desire to get married or anything.
0: But so. she, she kind of made a mental goal to not get married. Right.
3: Yeah. Whether it was conscious or subconscious. Right. Yeah. Um, and so liking somebody was very vulnerable for me. So when I started liking Nathan, I was like, very it
0: made her not like me. very like off
3: me. by the idea the prospect of liking somebody right not much and yeah but so him asking me on dates few and far between was good in some ways but frustrating in others if
0: our dating journey would have been normal where i asked her on a date and then i expressed interest and asked her on another date within a couple of days She would have probably not gotten annoyed, but she also would have turned tail and ran. But because I was because she never wanted to get married, a relationship she marriage was never of interest to her because of so many things that she had written in her head. And for me, like moving too fast would have destroyed my mental health because letting a woman into my space where I had had so much like, you know, trauma around you know sexuality with women and things like that it it was too vulnerable for me so it would have been too vulnerable too quick for both of us and it wouldn't have worked out
3: (laughs) maybe we can go back
2: to or or no you were going to say something Kristen. go ahead
3: oh i was just saying that god is
0: in the details because that's how it happened for us yeah. And in the frustration too, because yeah. she was frustrated through all of that. <laughs> and
3: we could take like two hours just explaining how our day Yeah, goes, but
0: it was exactly happen. what we needed. Yeah. And people saying like, oh, you know, um, I feel like maybe I should do this. And oh, this relationship isn't working out. And like all these like shoulds and stuff that, you know, should is not really a, a good statement. A lot of times, if we would have followed any of those shoulds, it would have not worked out. But our relationship is beautiful and I could never imagine being with anyone else.
2: I was just going to ask, how's it been since? It sounds like the dating was kind of a rocky road. But how's your marriage been?
3: Our first year was really rocky and it was not to do with anything with Nathan as much as it was to do with my own baggage that I was bringing to the table. Yeah, that was... uh, For me, I have... A couple of issues with just like family relationships from my own childhood that I just we got married and those were the reasons why I never even wanted to have the idea of getting married in my head so then now with faced with the actual obstacle of marriage I was just very vulnerable very scared and all of that baggage I just immediately put onto Nathan of oh he's going to do all of these things that I wanted to avoid and yeah so it was he was very patient and very loving and everything. And then I got therapy and that was awesome. Yeah. And yeah.
0: well and it's so interesting because people think that you know a mixed orientation marriage is going to be hard and it's not going to work out because of the mixed orientations, right? But if I'm going to be honest, the fact that we have, that we are mixed orientation and that I had had to go through a deep therapy journey is the reason why we have survived so many things. Because we, we had to be open and aware about so many things before we like could get into our marriage because, you know, I, I didn't want a marriage of just like secrets and stuff like that. And so by the time like all this hit the fan with like all of Kristen's stories being written onto me and our marriage not being awesome, (laughs) I think that my sexuality and our openness about that actually acted as a bedrock Mm -hmm. that got us through that. And the mental health training, quote unquote, that I had received through my own journey is what made it so that Kristen could get what she needed. And we have seen that Kristen's life has changed because of that mental health change. We have seen her spirit and her spiritual gifts like shine, like they, like they never were able to before. And those spiritual gifts never would have been brought out if it wasn't for my hard, horrible journey and how it prepared us to get her the help that she needed. And so Mixed orientation has never been a source of like the problems in our marriage. If anything, it has been a foundation of us being truthful, open and deep with each other.
2: That's beautiful. So it sounds like, Nathan, you had already done a lot of like personal growth and work. Mm -hmm. And, and, of course, marriage kicks that up for both people, right? Being you cannot married.
0: avoid some, some, things, yeah. some coping mechanisms that you didn't even know you had. Your partner will say, look, this is, this is not good. <laughs> That's right. So maybe we, we rewind
2: a minute. And, uh, Nathan, you share with us, you know, when did you come to terms with your sexuality? What yeah. did that look like? And, and why did you decide that you could even date a woman? I mean, there's some people. Who, who feel like that's, that's
0: not a possibility for them right. or. Right. So or it's just not the right decision for them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, before I go into my journey, um, I just want to make it very clear. This is my journey and it's going to match many other people's journeys. I also want to make it very clear that my journey is not meant as an instruction book to show you how your journey should be done. But it should be something that you can take data points from to digest and feel if maybe there's something to glean from me that could be good for you. So if let's say that someone is in a space where they do not think that marriage is a good thing for them of their own free will and choice, they feel that it feels like that's the right thing for them. Do not take my story as anything to devalidate you because God is with you um, and he's with me as well. Um, so now let's dive a little bit more into my story. So for my story, I have known about my sexuality for as long as I can remember. Um, and so really the first inklings of me being gay and kind of knowing that are as early as like kindergarten age, even. Um which is before you ever really get a real sexuality per se, in the sense that we might think about it before you become a sexual being. And then that obviously, you know, when you hit puberty, the things are very real of, of what one's sexuality is. And then you said, how did, when did I come to terms with it? We all know that's kind of a loaded question because it's like, well, there's multiple phases of coming to terms
2: I've assumed you already have that you you are coming to terms with it. Yes,
0: I still am. I'm coming to terms more with it that people can love me for who I am. That's something I'm still working on, for sure, and just being present in all situations. So I'm still coming to terms with it, if you will, just as we all are with coming to terms with loving ourselves. But So I came to terms with the fact that it's real. I've known that my whole life but now coming to terms with the fact that I need to really acknowledge that truth and not ignore it and like, have it be a part of my life. That was 2015. (laughs) That was the year when I had had so many physical health struggles. My whole body was in pain all the time and had been that way for a number of years. My, um, because of my autoimmune disorder, my mental health was crazy. I had very relatively severe anxiety. Um, I was dealing with depression that was getting worse and worse. Um, Physical health was continuing to decline. So many things were being thrown out the window to where I feel like my coping mechanisms that I had had for so much time in my life were being ripped out from underneath me so that I had to acknowledge, I had to really come to terms with, as you would say, Jeff. Um, Because for me... One of my main coping mechanisms that would kind of just dole out all feeling, but would help me feel almost like I was feeling good, I guess, was running. I loved running and it was the thing that helped me not go crazy. And I think God knew that as long as I had that and as I had my body as a coping mechanism, that I would use it to its full extent to give me the excuse to just be happy, quote unquote, and live a perfect life and all that stuff. And he had to take everything away from me before I could acknowledge I have to embrace my whole soul. And that was like the biggest gift that he could give me was to take everything. And he did. Like, um, there were days when it was hard to talk because of how bad my physical pain was. There were days when um, it was really hard to walk around. Um, If I would walk 200 yards, my legs would be swelled up so much that they'd be pressing against my pants. And this breakdown was the biggest blessing I have ever experienced in my life because this breakdown showed me that if you do not embrace grace, no man is saved by the law. Um, and it was only when I truly started to let grace into my life and to let imperfection in and to let ambiguity in that life is now brighter than I ever thought it could be. Um, And God saved me through that breakdown. Otherwise, I would have continued to live in a state of almost... um, mediocrity for the rest of my life, but God doesn't want mediocrity for anyone. We are his children and we are going to become like him. We can be gods someday. So mediocrity is not what he's willing to accept. Even if that means he'll rip everything away from you. And for me, him ripping that away from me and me having to accept and lean into my sexuality is me not accepting mediocrity. I believe that this is part of my journey to be a God someday. Part, my sexuality is part of that journey. It is not in opposition to it. It does not a stumbling block on my journey to be a God. The only way that my sexuality is a stumbling block on me, on my way to become a God is if I push it away. Me pushing away my sexuality is a stumbling block on my journey to become a God. But me embracing my full self is me taking steps toward becoming God.
2: You've kind of got us both speechless there.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but this is, I, I shouldn't editorialize, I, I need to keep this about you, but one of the questions that people will ask who experienced this or who are married to someone like this, if they didn't know about it beforehand. And we'll come, I want to talk about how the disclosure about this went with you too, but why would God do this to me? Right. Why would God allow this to happen? However you do it theologically, right? Why did God make me this way? Or why did God allow this to happen to me? Or why, however, you know, however that theology goes, um, you kind of just answered that question, didn't you? That it turned.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, we all know that, like you know, all all things can work for good of those who love for those who love God and and things like that. all the Corinthians,
2: purpose. You're quoting my favorite scripture.
0: Yeah, Romans eight. <laughs> and I just think that we don't embrace that principle, I guess, fully so often. Um, And we want to explain away so much of the bad in life so that we don't have to face it. When really, not only can all good things work out for, for the good of those who love God, but there's so much more to it. It's without these hard things, we literally cannot become Him cannot become him and her, um, our God and goddesses. It is because God hates you. No, it is because he loves me so fully that he is even willing to watch me face hard things so that I can have the biggest happiness in the world. I had a moment, actually, this was soon after me and Kristen got married. I was just going for a walk by myself. And um, I was just thinking... Because I I actually am not someone who often says like, oh, God, I just wish you'd take away this, you know, these attractions. Like, I I don't really buy into that way of thinking personally. It's more of just like, how does this fit into my life kind of thing? And I've always been that way, even before I had, you know, this whole breakdown of 2015 that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was going for a walk and I just you know, it was just kind of having one of those prayers where it's more of just your eyes are open, you're doing something and you're just talking with God. And I was just talking about like, you know, if this could be taken away kind of thing, if, if I would change. Um, and I think part of that was motiv- motivated by how, how the hard things that Kristen was going through and like, you know, And I had this voice come into my head in how the spirit talks to me. It's not an actual voice, but, you know, it's my personal way of hearing the spirit. And the words that came to me were basically in summation. Yeah, I can take it away. Do you want me to? Sure, I can. And it was at that moment that I said, no, (laughs) don't. And I like before I said no. I I paused and I thought, well, would I? Would I want him to? And I said no, audibly. I said no, don't. And the reason why is because um, many of us are familiar with what a lobotomy is. (laughs) Um, A lobotomy is something that was performed, um, you know, for a couple of decades, um, and it was something a horrible surgery where a doctor would basically scratch the front of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, they would put scratches all over it so that it would remove parts of your personality. It would remove... And so if someone was a very violent person, if someone was a very depressed individual, if someone was, you know, something that is not viewed as a very functional person, they could get this surgery and have their prefrontal cortex scratched and damaged. And often the violence would be removed out of that person. The ability to be a very um, adverse type of personality would be removed. But do you know what else would be removed? The person, like almost like their volition, their, their ability to like fully think for themselves and, and think deeply and truly become was taken away when that surgery was done. This surgery was done over 18,000 times in America over a period of, I think like two or three decades. In that moment when God said to me, well, yeah, sure, I can take it away. Do you want me to? I immediately thought of a lobotomy and I immediately thought, if you take this, you are taking part of my ability to choose. You are taking part of the depth of who I am. You are taking part. And the main thing I thought of was you are taking away one of my spiritual gifts to love people deeply and to know what relationships really are and what love really is because this is part of that my sexuality I know is linked intrinsically with my gift to fully and deeply love people it's and if you scratch that away you scratch away other things as well and so I said no. You can leave that. I'm okay with that.
2: Yeah, that you you would be less of a complete person without, and that the world would uh, be uh, miss out on too, tragically.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: If I play the devil's advocate for a second, Nathan, yes, please. You 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 signed up, uh, committed to Kristen. In this, not just lifetime commitment, but an eternal commitment. I assume you were sealed in the temple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've made an eternal covenant to be sexually faithful to her. I'm cheating you. Let's not leave yeah, her out. You can she can mess my, up in this too, right? She's got. She
0: can mess around.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: my wife and I. My wife always says that I can screw up too. You know. Uh, <laughs> you know right. It's important, likely, but you know. Right. Right, Tanya, Right. It's important right, to remember right. that's theoretically possible, even though she hasn't messed up yet. We've been right. married for right. 17 and a half years, but uh it's possible anyway uh so you've made this lifetime commitment uh and that forecloses the ability for you if you keep that commitment to express sexually with other people outside of this marriage
3: right
2: and so some people might say nathan you are not being true to yourself. You are, you are denying and cutting off this part of yourself that is fundamental to you. And you just said it was fundamental to you, right. but, but so, so how, how are you, are you, are you at peace with that? And how
0: have you come to be at peace with that idea? Right. Do you have any opinions on this first before I dive in or what do you think?
3: Um, I guess just one thought, uh, cause my, my dad, uh, this is a question that's right up his alley, right? When, when we, uh, I've talked to him about our mixed orientation, marriage and things. And, you know, her whole family knew before we got married. Yeah. I told all of them. And with my dad, I, he always gets hung up because anytime I say that Nathan is gay, my dad, uh, kind of, has a hard time understanding that because he, he always comes back and says, well, you say that Nathan's gay, but he's faithfully married to you. He, he's in a straight relationship. So what makes him gay? Right. That's, that's the question that he always brings up because it, the worldview really is that." You know, in so many ways, I feel like people boil it down to sex, right? And that's it. But I I was having this conversation with him, and I was explaining it to where, well, can I ask you what, what makes you straight, right? Um, because... Is it the person you're married to? <laughs> is it the person that you're married to, or is it who you're attracted to? And so we kind of had that conversation of... Um, how, if he were tempted to break his marriage covenant with my mom, who, what would be the temptation? Right. But it's not like, because he's straight that he's having intimacy with any person, right. Any woman, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: it's the same. It's the same in so many ways. Um, it's just, if Nathan were to have that temptation, it just wouldn't be with another woman. Typically it would be with another man. Yeah. And anyways, and so that, that was kind of the conversation that we had, but honestly, I would say that the question there is if you believe in monogamy, Mm -hmm. because that's, what's important in this relationship, because if, if, if you believe in monogamy and you want to spend the rest of your life with one person, whether you're straight or gay, it doesn't matter who that person is. If you have chosen and made that promise to be with that person for the rest of your life and for us eternity, then if that's what you believe in, then you're not denying yourself any more than any other person in a monogamous relationship would be right.
0: Oh, so you're saying if, if, if I believe in monogamy and if I believe in heterosexual marriage and that that's the way, if that's what I believe in, then me entering a different style of marriage is also denying a part of myself because I'm going against my beliefs. Is that what you're saying?
3: I don't think so.
0: Oh. Cause that, that's, that's something that makes sense to me too. But,
2: I think it's well, I, thought, I, think, I think we're
3: saying the same thing. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I was going to uh, say that the, the idea here is, uh, we'll put a, make a, put a spiritual uh, gloss uh, idea around this, which, you know, the natural man is an enemy to God. So yeah. sometimes people say, Oh, it's not, uh, it's you, you see all kinds of behavior in the animal world or in other cultures mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh, but but we know that natural man, we're not doing what's natural. We're, we're doing something that's supernatural, uh, that's that's mm-hmm. divine and celestial. And we're trying to get into that that realm. And so someone who is totally heterosexual, it might not be natural for them to be monogamous and faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, to exactly. their wife, but they are in that sense they're denying maybe the natural man aspects of their sexuality. Oh, okay, even as they're hopefully expressing the more righteous and sublime aspects of that
0: sexuality within their marriage. Right. So is that along more long yeah. Line what Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. That makes sense. And to even dive a little bit further into what you're what you're saying, Jeff, of like, do I feel like I'm denying part of myself? Because you literally said this is part of yourself, Nathan. Like, you know, that you don't want to get rid uh, of. Right, and I don't want to get rid of it. I do not feel like I'm denying part of myself. I would feel that I was denying part of myself if I was married to a woman, and we were not completely open about this. If we were not completely open about this, and if I didn't want to be with her, because I want to be with her, I would feel that I would be denying a part of myself. And that doesn't mean that I have to want to be with her every moment, you know, or that we can't have problems or, or, or whatever. But when it comes down to it, let's just say that by some far cry, the doctrine of the church changed. And if only I would have gotten married later, I could have been married to a man, you know, not a woman. I would have no regrets and I would stay with Kristen and she, I would never know This is not a marriage of staying within the bounds of doctrine. That's important to me. Staying within the bounds of one's covenant, staying within the bounds of what God directs, that is important. I'm not trying to diminish that. But I'm also never going to diminish one's own choice. And that is a high, huge law of God, I feel, is someone's choice and volition. He'll never deny. He'll never get in the way of that. No. No. how, I truly really feel like I've made this choice. I I am attracted to men, but I would this is who I want to be with. Even though it's just I can't even voice the dissonance and how how sitting in that dissonance is okay with me. But sorry, what were you saying, Jeff? How did you get to the place
2: where you were comfortable with that? In other words, how did you know? Right. We're Latter-day Saints. We're not supposed to have sex before marriage. We're so how did you know or have enough confidence to make this this leap into uh a heterosexual marriage with right. Kristen? Uh and and like, wow, I'm I'm okay committing because I do talk to people who are really nervous. They're like, Yeah, it feels good. It seems fine now. I like her, she likes me, but gosh, what, what about five years from now? What about 10 years from now when there's a kid around here and now I'm affecting all kinds of people that, that kind of fear, uh, does can, can really affect some people. So, so what was
0: that like for you? Um, so I think that there's multiple answers to this question and multiple answers depending on where we want to take it in my timeline. So, I first had to clean house when it came to mental health so that I could even be open to the idea of maybe being with a woman. That's not to say that when you get, you know, when you clean your mental health up that, oh, yeah, you'll be able to marry a woman. No, 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 no.
2: Or that all married
0: people are emotionally healthy. There's a lot no. Of this- that is not <laughs> what I'm saying. But I am saying that if someone feels that they want to marry someone of the opposite gender, but yet they are gay if they want to do that and they want it to work out and if anyone wants to marry someone and have it work out if we're going to be quite honest you really need to work on your mental health Absolutely. Uh, in particular i had to work on scars and trauma surrounding women taking control of my life and taking up too much room in my life and i had to disprove so many false beliefs about my beliefs about women and also my beliefs about men and where I belong with men and um, being accepted amongst men. So anyways, what I'm saying there is I had to disprove so many stories before I could even be open to the idea of being with Kristen. And that's the first answer. But your second, you kind of also ask, like, okay, I, we feel, you know, my mental health's probably good. Or I feel, I feel in a place where I'm open to being with a woman but what about five years from now? Like if we get married, what about five years from now? What if we have a kid and I hate this, right? I think that there's one thing to think about is choice. It is always your choice. Do we want to have children? That's your choice. What type of marriage do we want to have? That is your choice. Okay, sometimes if someone is unhappy or they're afraid of being unhappy, Often it's because we are afraid of certain status quos that we think we need to fit in. um, That's something that I've noticed. And there's a lot of things in our marriage that we just live differently than most people. For example, we're entrepreneurs. We own our own business. That was a choice that we made. And it's because we both both have talked a lot about how us working in a normal career would not be good for us. That's just an example of a choice that we made. Now, if we think too far into the future of five years, 10 years, or whatever, we have to think, wait, 10 years from now, how many choices am I, am I going to make before 10 years from now hits? What is 10 years from now but a culmination of choices? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they say choices determine destiny, right? Or decisions determine destiny, rather, to do an alliteration. Um, And I believe that. It's, you can make whatever life you want. If you want your marriage to look like this, or to look like this, or to look like that, that's wonderful. People hear the marriage covenant that is presented in the temple, and they extrapolate all of the things that are said in that covenant. They say, Oh, well, the marriage covenant says, you know, that we'll be faithful to our partner. And so this is what faithfulness looks like. It means I always have to be like, I always have to be extremely attentive to their needs. And it means that I have to always be there at, at a, uh, like the drop of a hat. It means that I can't have close relationships with people outside of my marriage. It means so many things. Okay. Now let's just step back. Where in the marriage covenant does it say that you cannot have friends outside of your marriage? Nowhere. Where in the marriage covenant does it say specifically that you have to be there for your partner at the drop of a hat for any problem that they have? It does not say that specifically. So those are just examples of how we box ourselves in to not making our own choices and we get afraid.
2: And then it ends up feeling like a prison, and people and then say, that, people, yeah. Yeah, What are we, they
0: trapped in? They're
2: trapped think, in a mental construct, not their yes. actual marriage.
0: The actual doctrine of the church is not as specific as people sometimes make it out to be or sometimes want it to be. There are not as many commandments as you think there are. Go read the For Strength of Youth and look for times when it says, you know, things like your skirt has to be to your knee. It doesn't say it anywhere, but we believe it. Um, It doesn't say that. Um, Look at the marriage covenants, look at the covenants of anywhere in the temple or anywhere and what it's actually saying. And you will realize that there are a lot of things that you think are commandments that are not. Now, are those things that you think are commandments, good ideas? Yeah, they probably are good ideas, but nonetheless, they are things that you can listen to the spirit and make your own decision on of how you want your life to be, unless it's explicitly stated in a covenant or in doctrine. We have so many rooms for choices and ways to build our lives in a happy way.
3: Yeah. I also would add one thing. Um, I think to kind of what it all boils down to of getting caught up in fears of the what if is one, one thing that is at the core of our marriage and that we established while we were dating is that we will never settle. And what that means specifically for us is that we will always step into vulnerable things. And we will always step into the unknown, as long as stepping into the unknown is a stepping towards each other and towards God.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And with that there have been multiple times where we have had difficult conversations and there have been times where we've had these conversations and either nathan says this to me or i say it to nathan where i say you know at this moment in time i do not understand where you're coming from and that's a scary place and That's a very scary place to be in when the person that you've committed to spending eternity with, you don't even understand where they're coming from. That's very scary. But in those moments, we have sat there and we've said, you know, I don't understand where you're coming from and I don't know if I ever will, but I'm willing, I'm willing to do what it takes to, be there for you to listen and to hopefully have faith that understanding will come in time. And every single time that we've done that, I feel that understanding has come way sooner than we oh, yeah. we could have ever expected. Yeah. And sometimes it's in that moment, like right, yeah. right when we have the moment when you feel like the whole world could collapse upon you, mm-hmm because you're so scared of the unknown and the what if that in that moment, when you make that conscious decision of saying, you know, I'm going to sit in this
0: and actually express it to my partner. Yes. Like, be open. And yes. Like, we're going to do it
1: together.
3: Yes. And I've said, you know, I don't know, but I am willing and I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. I have had moments where I've said that to Nathan and the very next moment that he talks and he starts to explain himself. It's as if there is a metaphorical veil that has Mm -hmm. been taken over my eyes and I'm able to hear him in a different way and understand where he's coming from. And that has been an absolute blessing. And I would say that boils down to us being willing to be vulnerable and be honest when we're scared and don't understand.
0: Me and Kristen have this developing theory, I guess. That whatever kingdom of glory we choose in this life hereafter is really what level of vulnerability we are willing to step into. Because God has higher laws to higher kingdoms, right? And we have found in our marriage that those higher laws are found when we step into those moments where you're like, I am going to throw up if I even say this right now. <laughs> and once you step into it, though, you realize that you're in a higher law. Acknowledging and stepping into those scary things. Um, you, I cannot even express like how much of a gift um, this mixed orientation situation has been in making us step into vulnerable, scary situations so that we are open to a higher law and therefore get like floods of revelation. There's been time and time again, when a situation again is like, I I think I'm gonna even throw up just to even like be open with you. But the moment that we both step into that horrible place is when revelation just happens and things start changing. Um, So it's been a huge blessing.
1: I loved when, um, Kristen, you just said, we will step into the unknown as long as we are stepping toward each other and toward God. Mm-hmm. I think that is a really beautiful statement. And I totally agree with that. Um, I think all marriages are stepping into the unknown. If you're going to, walk the path with somebody else that's got different viewpoints because we all have come from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Similar, I mean, even within my own family, my siblings and I have come from different backgrounds. Yeah. We had different experiences growing up. Yes. And yeah. so all marriages are that way. And that's how we stay that's how we stay committed to each other and how we can keep growing together. As long as we are taking these steps toward each other and toward God Mm -hmm. and stepping into the unknown. And that's what makes marriage so exciting is the unknown because otherwise it would get really boring.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay. This is so interesting. I heard this, this quote once and to kind of summarize it, it says, um, if you want, um, basically unlimited excitement and discovery and, you know, depth uh, and just amazing, I guess, excitement and discovery in your relationships. You can go two routes. You can have relationships with hundreds of people and all of that. Or if you really want to actually have unlimited, like, exploration and depth, have a relationship with one person. And it might seem Like, oh, I can have a relationship with 100 people and therefore have 100 different experiences. But I have noticed that in having a deep relationship with one person, it's almost like with everyone else, I only get to like the beginning of a funnel. But then this one relationship, you get past that neck of the funnel and boom, then you experience so much more. And it's almost like having like, this is going to sound weird the way I'm saying it. But it's almost like having relationships with so many different people because you're experiencing so many different things that you never would have been able to experience um, otherwise. And I, I know that sounds kind of a different way to say it, but
3: you things can, that are deeper than just surface level. Yeah, you can
0: only get pa- that past that like neck of the funnel with one person. And if you just wanna, you know, have like a, the sleep around with people lifestyle or whatever, or or just not go deep with your partner then you won't experience the depth and the magnitude of experiences that you, that you want to experience.
1: I don't have a lot of questions cause I'm just enjoying listening. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank
0: you.
2: Monologue some more. That's great. Um,
1: how do you think
2: you'll talk to your child and maybe future children about this? Have you thought about that or talked about that? That's a question that some people yeah. ask. Yeah. I'm uh, curious about
3: so uh, we can tell you why our approach is right now. Um,
0: She's four months old, by the way. So it will change.
1: Right.
3: And that's why I say it that way is because I think the only rule that we have is that we'll always discuss it. Right right? That it's, it's a topic of conversation that's going to come up multiple times and we're going to, our lives are going to change as our children grow up and get into different phases in life. There's going to be different things that are going to be applicable to them. Right. And we're going to have those conversations of saying, Hey, this is where our kids are at here. We're checking in. Um, and you know, bring up, I think it would be really powerful for this child understand on a deeper level your experience that you've gone through or Mm -hmm. or x y and z right um and it is a topic of sexuality so it's kind of where are you comfortable talking to your kids about sex in general right Mm -hmm. um obviously it's not the exact same thing um because
0: sexuality and sex are different things but they're Yeah, in the same like wheelhouse
3: yeah Yeah. and so there are things that we can talk to our children that are appropriate at the age that they're at right um right now she's four months old so honestly we don't talk many details that's because she is she doesn't speak English yet yeah she doesn't speak English (laughs) yet (laughs) but I think our approach is that and our desire is to be open with our children. Yeah. And we know that one way that we can do that is by constantly checking in with how we're doing and how our kids are. Um, and one thing that I feel is important to say for myself, just because it's been from, from my past experience in my own childhood that I brought into our baggage, mm-hmm. um, is to clarify the difference of what I'm okay with talking to our children about with our relationship Mm -hmm. and making sure that I'm not crossing the line of bringing them into the marriage circle. Mm -hmm. um, when I talk about those things, right? Like there are things that I can talk to them about of how to have healthy relationships, how to have, um, you know, how, how sex works and all of those things but to not cross the boundary of saying, this is our relationship and now we're letting you into it. This is,
0: it's not like, it's kind of like how we talk about with temple stuff. It's not secret. It's sacred. And our circle and some of the like conversations that we have decided, like just for our personal marriage, I guess some of those things, it's not like it's a secret per se. It's just like, this is ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to let another person into that is like almost muddying the waters of something that we love so much. So no, thank you.
3: (laughs) I feel like as, as we respect our own sacred spaces and allowing ourselves to have that space separate from our children, Uh I don't know yet. Right. Because she's only four months old. um, But from experiences with other people, I feel that the more you respect your own sacred space, the more it allows those around you to have their sacred spaces Mm -hmm. and to keep their sacred spaces sacred as well. Right. Um,
0: Yeah. And to not be keeping secrets, but to have sacred spaces. Yeah. Yeah. When you can maintain your own sacred space in, 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 a appropriate way then it teaches others how to not be secretive but to have sacred things and just this healthy balance of like having your personal inner talk as well as other things it's yeah there's a it teaches a really healthy way of approaching things in general i think
1: so. i do have one other question because we forgot to ask yeah. Kristen. um do you feel like you have missed out? Do you feel like you have compromised? In- Such a good question. Yeah.
2: yeah, you deserve to have a man who's fully and totally attracted to you. Right? Yeah, yes. And you had to um, settle.
3: Yes, I love that question. Um, I so once again, kind of going back to when we were dating, like we could write a novel about that, right? Because it's just so convoluted and but then the more you get into it the more you realize no god is in the details but uh my experience with dating nathan um and before we started dating is i had a really my college experience was kind of all over the place as far as majors and what i wanted to do but um and during it was really frustrating, but looking back, I can see that of how much God's hand was in it. Um, because for me, I came to, um, some very key experiences happened in my life that planted this question in my head of if, if a righteous young man approached me who was gay Wanted to have a heterosexual marriage in in the covenant and everything approached me and I knew that would I be willing to marry them um, and I was blessed with that uh, question and I I really. Um, I'm glad that I had that experience because for a full year before Nathan and I officially started dating, I could not get that question out of my head. And I asked every woman that I um, was close to, uh, that I had friendships with roommates, friends, Yeah, roommates and friends. I asked everybody, I asked them, I wanted to know what their answer would be. And as I did, that's, that's the thing that kept coming back everybody came back to is most people said no. And the reason why was because they said, I want to be in a relationship where my husband is attracted to me and finds me attractive. And every time I got a no with that response, the more I just felt that I would and that my answer was yes. And I feel felt more affirmed in my answer because every time somebody explained that to me of their reasoning, I just felt my testimony go like almost scream inside of me saying, no, that is not the atonement. And that is not the God that I believe in. I do not believe in a God that would say that I have to sacrifice certain parts of my life in order to pursue righteousness and that the atonement can't cover that as well in order for us to have a happy and fulfilling marriage. And, um, and then Nathan and I started dating with me already having this decision that I've made right and about a month into us dating nathan told me that he was gay and and i said okay yeah that's fine um and there was there was no blink of an eye i just said that's great Ugh. and it it has been a very powerful and very testimony building experience going through that dating experience because yeah the typical romance I would say of maybe not of the world but in in how we think of romance is first you're attracted to the person and then you fall in love with them them. then you get to know them and then you fall in love with them right but first it's you're attracted to them and and I tell people who ask that question um my dad being one of them um (laughs) is that for us, it's not like those components were gone. They were just the opposite. Mm -hmm. For us, Mm -hmm. we first got to know each other and fell in love with each other. And then the attraction came afterwards. Because I think anybody in a long-term relationship, at least in a healthy one, um, can say that that attraction turns to love and your love even deepens and changes Mm -hmm. over time as you get to know this person. And as you get to know what, no matter their orientation, the more that you know, somebody, the more you've gone through with a person, your love changes and deepens. And I would say grows from an earthly love to an eternal love. And I feel like we were blessed with a perspective to, know that early on which I'm really grateful for and of course we're still learning but yeah by no means do I feel gypped in any way because if anything I I feel like what Nathan has said that that it has just been the foundation of us being open and willing to be vulnerable and to be as happy as we can be. And so, yeah, I would say taking it away would almost be, be more of... Like, give a lobotomy to our progression
0: and our marriage. And yeah. A, yeah.
3: I, I wouldn't trade it for the world because yeah. it's just been such a magical blessing in our lives. And just to flip
0: that coin for one second, like people would say, well, Nathan, are you attracted to your wife? Because if you're attracted to her, then you're not gay. You're bi. I am attracted to Kristen and I am gay. And she explained a really good way of saying that. The more that you know someone, attraction comes. And that's not, this again is not, I I said the more that you, so it might sound like that's how it works for everybody. No, that's, it works for me. I'm attracted exclusively to men, but I'm attracted to Kristen physically. Like I cannot explain to you how it works, but it has worked out. And there are some people who are in heterosexual mixed orientation marriages where maybe that attraction isn't there, but that it still does work through kind of this flip the script thing of getting to know each other and then it and being vulnerable and really stepping into that. And it works. Um, it does. And all I got to say too, is like, you know, sex is wonderful. We love it just as much as anyone else. But I think that we would all be hard pressed to deny that there's got to be more to love than that. There's got to be more to pleasure than that. There's got to be way more. If, if like eternity and, you know, heaven and all those things really are all that we rumor them to be, then sex pales in comparison to all that we are promised. Do we enjoy sex? Yes, it's wonderful. We're meant to enjoy that. But do not let that be the end all be all. There is so much more. And don't look beyond the mark in a sense of just saying, yeah, th- this is all it is. It's, it's just, yeah, that's kind of the culminating thing. It's important and it's wonderful and I highly endorse it. But do not let sex be something that stunts your progression into a deep, deep love that is so much more real than you could ever imagine.
2: You remind me of oh, a great well. from C.S. Lewis from his uh, book, The Way to Glory. Yeah. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, mm-hmm. it would seem that our Lord finds our desires, including sexual desires, mm-hmm. not too strong, but too weak. Ah. We are half-hearted creatures Fooling around with sex and drink and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Oh, you stop
0: it, Jeff. That's so good.
3: I love that. Hey, I so, haven't heard that quote that before. That is so
0: good. We all love C.S. Lewis, right? You know. <laughs> um, one thing that I have to bring up is um, our term oil spills. Um, <laughs> oh, so sometimes when we are in a church lesson or, you know, a circle of people talking about a gospel topic or, or just a vulnerable topic in general, um, you'll say something that's vulnerable. That's real. That's like, Hey, we're going to try and get deep, get deep here and just explore this. We're not sure about it at all. We just want to explore and ask questions and see what ideas other people have on the, on the topic. Sometimes we'll bring up things like that, that are deep and explorative and, you know, in in need of response to kind of navigate what the true answer to the question is. But people will often give what we like to call an oil spill response. In other words, they'll just take everything back to the surface. Mm -hmm. Oil will never go to the bottom of water it will never go deep with you even if you get a you know jar of oil and open it at the bottom of the ocean it quickly goes to the top and you can never stay deep and explorative and i think willing to being willing to go deep and not being an oil spill but rather saying sure i'll go deep we'll explore the ocean is wide and expansive And we will discover the answers of Godhood if we're willing to do that. But if we just want to sit on the surface of pray and read your scriptures and it will all work out, that is true. It is true. There's so much more to that statement as well. So why would we just sit on the top of the water and say, just pray and read your scriptures that'll be fine. Just have faith that'll be fine. What if we go deeper about what praying and reading your scriptures really is? What faith really is? What grace really is? And go deep into those scary, vulnerable questions and let go of the oil spills. Like that, that's where things just become beautiful.
1: (laughs) That's a great (laughs)
2: be for discipleship and for more intimate, joyful, fulfilling marriage. And it's probably a great place to wind up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Do you have any parting thoughts or clarifications you want to offer?
0: Um. God is good. And he is so much bigger than you would ever say. And when I say he, what I really mean is he and she heavenly father and heavenly mother are so much bigger than you could ever even let them be. (laughs) We limit them every day. And the more that we are willing to say, look, I'll be uncomfortable so that I can be the most joyful, the more happy we will be.
3: Absolutely. Um yeah. I would say step into stepping into vulnerability is amazing and wonderful. And my personal feeling is that each and every one of us will never be enough. But as long as we give everything we have over to Christ. He will take our meager loaves and fishes and he will be able to feed 5,000 and have stuff to spare. And I think that's important and in every aspect of our life. And I love it. Yeah.
0: Your life is your decision. That's uh, that's what I, I also want to say. Yeah. Your life is your decision. Your life is a culmination of decisions. If you are unhappy then you can make decisions to bring yourself to a place of happiness. You can. It is in your court. It is in no one else's court. Honestly, I, I feel safe in saying it's not even in God's court. It is in your court to make decisions. And you are in charge of your life. And that is a beautiful thing. Never let anyone take that from you. Never pretend or think that God has or can or will take that from you. because. Our God will never take that from us, and your life is yours to live.
2: <laughs> yeah, and if have something from this message that's helpful and you want to implement or try, or do, do that. Yeah. And if it doesn't, don't, because none of us, not me, not Tanya, not Nathan, not Kristen, are, are living your life. We don't really? have to live with those consequences. I have to and, live with the consequences of my choices. Right. Mm-hmm. So you get to live with the consequences of yours. So I'm not going to force you or tell well, you you have to do this or should do this.
0: Choices. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much, Nathan and Kristen. That you. uh, You've been listening to the Voices of Pope podcast uh, with uh, Jeff and Tanya Bennion is your hosts. And Nathan and Kristen Hessing as your guests, as our wonderful guests this day. And uh, we hope you join us next time for our next episode.